are back. All right. Coffee with Crime. This is part five of our birthday series. <laughs> um, and uh, today we have a coffee that I did an unusual amount of work to find and buy. <laughs> um, but f- before I talk about the roaster, I actually wanted to, I have a different um, setup here than what I normally have. Describe to our listeners what you see before you. Okay, so Lewis has two cups on the table, one, and they both have a pour over inside of them and with a filter and coffee in each one. That's right. Ground coffee in each one. One of the ground coffees is much lighter than the other one. That is true, although um, that's actually unfortunate because it <laughs> has nothing to do with the point oh, I'm trying okay. to make. Today, I want to talk about the bloom, and I know I talked to you about this in the past several times probably, but the bloom is the thing that um, the the action, I guess it's a really a chemical reaction that with the water and the coffee was where once you pour hot, you know, almost boiling water into uh, fresh ground coffee to brew it, you see this o- kind of like frothy overflowing of just air it just starts blooming whereas with coffee that is uh older you don't mm. see as much or any of a bloom okay. and that's a it's a it's a very as long as you're brewing to where you can see the see the coffee directly with your eyes like from the top mm. which which normally you can't with an electronic coffee maker but with this style you absolutely can because you're just staring right at the coffee so is one of these coffees old well i don't know when either of them were roasted oh okay but one, uh, I, I know just from from like a background knowledge of the coffees that uh, one is much more freshly roasted than the other. Okay. The one that we have today that we are tasting is this lighter one. Okay. That has probably been, been roasted in the last month, if not more, even more recently. And it was ground an hour ago. And um, the one on your right is a Starbucks coffee that we tasted last week, uh, week oh, last, yeah, last yeah. episode. So that was ground at the same time, but um, this one, you know, knowing the way that Starbucks distribution and everything, there's just no way that it was roasted nearly as recently as this one. So, so the one on your left is fresher. The one on your right, the Starbucks one, was probably roasted maybe six months ago, maybe eight months months ago, maybe longer. Who knows? So I'm going to brew them both in front of you. We're going to only taste. We're not going to drink the Starbucks okay. one unless you want to, because it's probably not going to taste very good. At least compared, it's not what we want to taste today. Sure, right. But because uh, we already tasted it, we talked about it. It's the okay. Chris- Christmas blend, actually. Um, but I just want you to observe and kind of describe for our listeners what you see once I start brewing. So I'm going okay. to start. Um, I'd like to do a little divot here okay. in the middle of the uh, grounds, and I'm going to start just uh, pouring water in. The Ooh, fresh one look here. Look at that froth. Yeah, you can already see it. <laughs> and is that, that what you're talking about? Well, not quite. You're okay. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna because because it didn't because it didn't come up. Got it. So okay. I'm gonna do it here with this one. Okay. And you can see again. You see how that just sinks down yeah, in the yeah, in the Starbucks. Happening in the Starbucks. It just it just goes yeah. straight down. So, whereas this this one, the fresh one, kind of maintained a yeah. level and it had some some light colored uh, froth. So I'm gonna continue pouring. Oh, yeah. In here. And you can see how the light color. Now, normally, again, it's unfortunate that this is a dark roast and a light roast because if they were the same color uh, roast, you would be able to see 
even despite the the sameness of the coffee, how this one would have this froth, which yeah. is which is shows freshness, and this one would not. So I'm going to keep pouring in the, um, in the Starbucks one that has a light color too. So it's not like a super old coffee. No, it's not. It actually um, does have a little bit, but this one for sure has more. Yeah, yeah. So that that really light color is always what you're looking for. Nice. Whereas with this one, um, not as light, kind of sinks straight down. Yeah. But still not not it's it's not dank. Right. <laughs> it's not it's not five years old. Um, <laughs> now what if you did this with like some Folgers crystals or something? Would you get that Folgers froth? Crystals. Well that just isn't that the ones that you just mix? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you probably would get a froth, but for a different reason. Um Well that's cool. I never knew this about coffee. You yeah. talked about it a little bit, I think our last episode. Yeah, you know, I wish I would have uh had a chance to grind it even a little more soon before we started because really what you should see with this fresh one is the is is like an overflowing of I mean froth. It did, I thought it looked pretty frosty but it's not it's not kind of like like it should be a, a yeast sort of like a, a like coming out of the ground so it's it's not really doing that which shows that it really you know the lesson there is that it really does make a difference when you grind your coffee when yeah. you roast it everything is very But look how frothy that yeah, one looks. Yeah, it's not going to affect the flavor that much, but I was hoping it would be a little more pronounced the, okay. the the bloom. Anyway, you can see how the the difference in the uh the froth for sure. And uh so yeah, anyway, that's that's our lesson on bloom today. <laughs> very cool. So I want uh, to for today's coffee, which is the light uh, lighter roast. It actually is a light roast that we're tasting today. I called a coffee shop in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, called uh, Racy Delanes, and uh, I asked the barista, who was very nice, what kind of coffee they roasted, and she looked at the bag and she said roast roastery seven. She didn't know a whole lot about where the coffee came from. She just you know, said that it said Roastery 7 on the bag. So I looked up Roastery 7 online and it was a little confusing because I'm going to continue to brew this. We can drink it very, very fresh. Uh, I'll just put the Starbucks aside here because we don't need it anymore. Um, yeah, I looked up Roastery 7 and it was a little confusing because I didn't the website I found was much more of a company that comes along retail coffee shops and supplies their coffee, but also trains their baristas, helps them with order, knowing how much to order, does a lot of like uh, consultation, which a lot of a lot of coffee shops actually take take uh, use utilize that service from different roasters because it's so much work just to get the coffee thing right knowing how to pull a shot of espresso knowing how to maintain your espresso machine knowing who to call having someone to call when your espresso machine breaks down on a saturday morning at 8 30 you know it happens all the time anxiety just thinking about that yeah it's (laughs) happened at coffee shops i've worked at so it's a very valuable thing to have a not only a coffee roaster that just gives you the coffee but a company that trains your whole staff even when you get a new employee you know, tells everyone this is how you make the best coffee. This is how you have a consistent cup of coffee. And because there's way more involved than just having the beans around you, as amazing as the beans might be. So Roastery 7 does that. So I sent them an email. I couldn't really find on their website where to buy coffee. It said they made coffee, but it didn't say 
like how to get it or anything. And, yeah. I, and I and my first thought was, okay, maybe I'm just not going to be able to buy a coffee from them because maybe they don't sell. You know, I can't be buying like a truckload of coffee for the podcast. So <laughs> I'm okay with five pounds, but I can't buy a truckload. So I emailed them, got a really nice email back saying, hey, Lewis, uh, we actually kind of split things up the way that we, we uh, the, there's, there's two sides to our company. The Roastery 7 brand name is for the retail, uh, you know, um, consultation side of what we do. But the ro- the roasting itself is done by kind of a sister company called Tiny Footprint. So that was when I really, <laughs> the, the clouds parted and I found this website called tinyfootprintcoffee.com and that is where I bought today's coffee and that is the company that even though they're, they're the ones that make it, but it gets labeled with Roastery 7 labels, yeah. at, at least for this place in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And then, and then that is what's used in the, in the coffee shop. Do they have a lot of like variety, a lot of different kinds? Yeah, yeah. just as much as anyone else. But it was interesting because uh, last year or a couple of years ago when we were really cranking out tons of episodes, I remember I was using a service called, a subscription service called Tra- uh, Drink Trade, which oh, yeah. I think was just called Trade now. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a lot of different roasters. And that's how I discovered a lot of different coffee roasters was just from that subscription and kind of browsing around and discovering new roasters because they seemed to me to always deliver really really good coffee <clears throat> and so i just kept you know the subscription for i think i asked uh my my parents got me a subscription for for my birthday one time for just to kind of get a few different months of of different coffees from yeah. from them uh last year but uh, but this tiny footprint was not on there their coffee is nowhere to be found on that website and so they're probably either they're not interested or the price point wasn't didn't make sense for them to because obviously this website that does the subscription they I'm sure they take a percentage sure. so so they weren't on there so so I I never would have found this coffee right. roaster if it had not been for this long arduous process of calling a <laughs> coffee shop sending an email to the roastery 7 getting yeah. an email back that said it's actually a different place and so let me just read a little bit about, uh, we, we're, we're, um, I ordered a Honduran coffee, single origin Honduran coffee, light roast. Um, and, uh, and let me read a little bit about Tiny Footprint. We believe people can make a difference in the world by enjoying the things they already love to do. That's why we cr- uh, created Tiny Footprint Coffee, the world's first carbon-negative coffee, through a unique collaboration between Roastery 7 and the Mindo Cloud Forest Foundation. One, uh, uh, one an artisan coffee roastery and the other a nonprofit conservation organization, the two teamed up in 2010 to create the ultimate combination of good karma. Since then, we've expanded our carbon reduction efforts with the help of SEMA Cafe and Honduran farmers growing saplings and reintroducing many varieties of trees into previously damaged farmland. So how is our coffee carbon negative, you might ask? This is where it's interesting because a lot of times people just say a fact about being carbon negative or whatever, and they don't describe it. But this actually goes into the numbers. It says it's simple, really. It takes four pounds of CO2 to produce and distribute one pound of our coffee. Now, that's a summary of, of a lot of things going on that involve that, that all boil down to that one pound of coffee, but four pounds of CO2 to one pound of coffee for every pound that's sold. We donate a portion of the proceeds to fund reforestation in Honduras. Over time, these trees will remove 54 pounds of CO2 from the atmosphere and more CO2 is removed than emitted. So that's where they oh. get their number. 
Um, this uh, coffee is, um, you know, so so they're they're very interested in the carbon uh, reduction aspect, which is cool. But for me personally, as a coffee lover, I always think to myself, you know, if you want to plant trees, plant trees. But if you're going to make coffee, don't sell bad coffee and then expect people to support it just because you're doing something good ecologically. Like the coffee should be good. And this Mm -hmm. coffee definitely does not disappoint. It is, uh, they take a similar approach that tiny footprint coffee is very similar to, it reminded me of Kova coffee, who we featured, I think a couple times. And I'm actually looking at one of the bags on the wall and they name their coffees after the farmers who farm them, which is really cool because it just reminds you there are humans not only in the selling in the U.S. side and the roasting, but but on the uh, whatever other you know on the other side of the world or wherever whatever other country is farming, which is of course not the United States. Usually, um, you get it, it. Reminds you that there are just people you know doing really quality work, uh, really unique work to make the coffees that we get. So this one is named Orlando Arita. It is an anaerobic process coffee. Now, we talked last week about the, uh, I think, washed process. Right, yeah. Anaerobic process is where the, the beans are stored. Well, let me see. Um, I might do a better job at describing this if I go to the website. This coffee is one of the latest. So I'm reading the description of, of the uh, actual light roast uh, Honduran coffee, Orlando Arita that we are about to drink. This coffee is one of the latest experiments with anaerobic fermentation. Usually coffee cherry is processed within hours of picking to avoid excessive aerobic fermentation that can render the coffee too sour or too funky. We talked about that last mm-hmm. week, leaving the, leaving the cherries on. In Don Orlando's anaerobic process, he locks the cherry, and when we say cherry, we mean the bean, coffee bean inside the cherry, and this is a bunch, this is a huge amount, he locks the cherry in a water-filled drum, monitors the pH and temperature to ensure slow anaerobic fermentation. I think anaerobic means it's being deprived of oxygen. These beans are being purposefully uh, fermented without oxygen, which has been recognized for about 40 years to be something that re- results in really interesting complex flavors. Uh, monitors the pH and slow anaerobic fermentation that metabolizes the fruit sugars without leaving a vinegar taste, heightening the flavor qualities of the coffee while producing a rich body. After about, and, and keep in mind, this is just washing. This is, just, they've just been picked from the tree. This is before drying, this is before drying, this yeah. is before the removal of the, of the red cherry part from the bean. And it's obviously before roasting. It's very early in the process, but, but it's been recognized that even this, very arduous, detailed process, it makes a huge difference when it comes to the flavor of the coffee right, at right. The, as the end result. After about 72 hours, he washes the cherry, then spreads them out to dry on raised screens for 20 to 25 days. We talked about that last last episode too. The care given to these beans by Don Orlando and his family is second to none. The coffee is then further picked for defects while it is resting. And by the time it is ready for export, this coffee is pristine. Hey, Let's taste it. All right. I'm- Here we go. Don Orlando's Honduran coffee. Take a sip. Ooh, all right. I get to take the first sip. You do t- take the first sip. We only made one cup since we were making another cup for experimental process. Are you process. sure you don't want to take no, no, the take- first sip? I've already had some. Okay. Yeah. 
Isn't that amazing? That's really good. Wow. <laughs> there's so much going on in that coffee. I know. It's like there's some savory flavors. There's some sweetness. There's Does it some... have tasting notes? Um, No. Okay. Just so whatever you... You say what that... Well, let me check the website again here. Yeah, no tasting notes, which is you very, know what? very funny. I want to say as a tasting note. What? And I mean this in the absolute like best way possible. Yeah. And this is going to sound really weird. This <laughs> yeah. coffee is say so it. good. Yeah. <laughs> nachos. Hey, if you like nachos, <laughs> let, me, let me taste some here. You know what? I know what you mean yeah. because nachos actually have a decent amount of sugar in them. Yeah. As well as being a salty snack. And there, there's like a... There's like an interesting, like, yeah. there's no salt in this and there's no sugar. Well, there are sugars from the coffee. Right, but, but we didn't like put sugar in it. <laughs> man, that is, it tastes like dessert. Dessert nachos. It tastes like, oh man. Okay, th- I, I'm it's sorry. Re- it's really good. There are flavor, there on the website, there is a flavor profile for this uh, Honduras roast. Full velvety body with notes of pear and tangerine. Light oh. spice, chocolate and strawberries in the finish, as well as nachos. <laughs> I knew it. Nacho coffee. <laughs> I knew it. Um, this yeah, is it, like you said, it it is very complex. There's a complex. lot. There's a lot going on. And that apparently, yeah. you know, and I just I had not really, if I'd saw anything about anaerobic processing for coffee, I forgot about it a while ago. Yeah. May, you know, maybe I. It's funny when 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 I've the few times I've gone and listened to some of our previous podcast episodes i've i realized i completely forgot about what i had researched so it's kind of fun to to go back and <laughs> yeah listen. i know when i listen i'm like whoa i this is totally new information yeah. to me <laughs> so it's it's possible that i may have covered this and and just forgot about it but if i didn't then this is me learning about anaerobic process yeah, and, I don't and, remember. and it makes such a difference in the coffee i mean it, it another interesting experiment would would be to taste coffee that was processed in a different way alongside this one to see how different it is i imagine it's significantly different um and and just thinking about all the work they did to monitor the ph level to to lock it inside these drums to somehow you know to i think i think there's like a like a thick bag is put around them and then they push all the air out in order to keep oxygen Uh, that that you know it's called anaerobic so that's a significant part of the process is is while they're fermenting, keeping oxygen from being part of that equation. But um, I totally honest, this is one of the best coffees I've had in a while. I bought, I bought three pounds of it. Um, Yeah. On the bag, it says uh, organic carbon negative coffee. You drink coffee, we plant trees. That's kind of a moniker that they Mm -hmm. have all over their website and stuff. They're also very, um, our friend Joel, would love this coffee because they're very bird friendly. Their, oh, their, yeah. their, their blog it goes way in depth with birds. Like they're really into birds, <laughs> um, like specific birds. So, Is that part, why it's called Tiny Footprint? I don't know. I th- I'm guessing that's more because of the carbon thing, but it probably might, might <laughs> Not be. Not the a, tiny footprints of the uh, birds. <laughs> it's pro- yeah, that's a, that's a good, uh, yeah, maybe they no, that never, makes more sense. <laughs> maybe they, Looking at the logo, I don't really see anything that would suggest a tiny fit footprint of a bird. Okay. <laughs> Easy enough to do. That's actually sure. a really good idea. We should tell them that. <laughs> but um, yeah, because of this, because of this other organization that they're actually partnered up with, uh, they there there are a few places in the world where they have these sanctuaries for certain endangered birds, and so they they keep them there and and yeah. keep them safe or something. Um, I I read I read some 
but not being a bird person, I don't, I don't really remember much about it. But if you go to tinyfootprintcoffee.com, you can go to their blog. And not only do they have a lot about coffee, a lot about carbon, but a, and a lot about birds too. So, and you know, w- as far as planting trees and reforestation and taking farmland that's kind of been like uh, you know ransacked and, and raised, um, that that's naturally good for birds anyway because it gives them uh, you know more of a it it increases their real estate yeah rather than reducing it. So, um, yeah, bloom tiny footprint. Uh, Honduras, Orlando, Arita. Um, trying to see if I really like this coffee. Yeah, I, mean, I do too. I've been drinking it every morning, and I just yeah. I feel it's it's like dessert. Yeah, it's good with no with no added sugar. <laughs> it's really really good. I like to make it thick too. Like you can see all the coffee I used. Right. Yeah. Normally that would be like three or four cups, but I just made a tiny cup, and it really gives it this concentrated yeah, almost no, espresso flavor. Don Orlando, just a little extra blurb on the website about this coffee. Don Orlando started Finca Gyra, which is the name of the farm, Mm. close to 30 years ago and has since been a pioneer in specialty coffees in Honduras. He has won awards. Uh, His quality on focus is easily appreciated by a look at the farm. And uh, one of the first farmers to have zero waste um, he recycles all the water from his wet mill and ensures it returns without any particles. The cascara, or the which is a fancy word for the cherry fruit, is either com- composted for organic fertilizer or carefully washed and dried for tea. Mm. Wow, fascinating. So really, really interesting, you know, um, just just the, the my whole process, my process in <laughs> finding this coffee and then the coffee's process of being processed before it's dried before it's roasted before it's ground before it's drank and um yeah really really had a it was it was a lot of work you know to be honest too (laughs) and i and i kind of had to rush uh things to you know i had to hurry and and order find it and order Mm -hmm. it in order to record this because we do have a little bit of a deadline wanting to finish this uh this project uh fairly soon here in order to to present it uh, as a birthday present. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad. You know, this will be a coffee that I, um, it, price-wise, it it wasn't cheap by any means, but it's pretty much on par with what you would what pay else? for three yeah. pounds or two kilograms or whatever from uh, any other high-end roaster. And again, the flavor of it it's, really, yeah. really speaks for itself. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. All of their coffees are named after the farmers or the farmers' families that they- That's really cool uh, that, that they do that, yeah. And so there you go. Tiny Footprint, Roastery nice. 7, Racy Delanes. Awesome. So thank you for doing all that work getting this coffee. You're welcome. I know it was quite a process. And I think you will add some clarity <laughs> as to why. <laughs> why I did that. Lewis had to do all of this work. So um, I chose a crime for this week that um, kind of begins in this coffee shop, Racy Delanes. Whoa, what a Yeah, isn't that a coincidence? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's why I chose it, because this coffee shop is kind of like a central part of this story. And, you know, I said, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if we could find the coffee that they serve at this coffee shop? And Lewis did not disappoint. Uh, I I always track track (laughs) that coffee down. That's right. So, yeah, and I'm really glad that you did because it's amazing. So the crime actually happened? It did happened, not happen in the coffee shop. But, but the coffee shop plays a part right. in the story. Okay. And we'll I'll kind of explain. Okay. Um, but today we're going to be talking about, um, and give me one second. Oh, yeah, go ahead. 
I'll play the music. Fifty pounds of good karma in every pound. This is so unprofessional. I'm really sorry. Oh no, that's fine. <laughs> All right, I had to get my Carmex because ah, my lips are so dry. <laughs> that is okay. All right, this episode brought to you by Carmex. <laughs> yes. Which is funny because Carmex is actually made in Wisconsin. Oh, is it? Yeah, Franklin, Wisconsin. Cool. Yeah, you're Alexi is a big Carmex fan, so I, it doesn't surprise me that she knows that that <laughs> factoid. All right, here we go. So, um. So we are going to be talking today about Ezra McCandless. Okay. Okay. So that's the name of the person. Sure, it's not McCandles. McCandles. <laughs> Sorry. It is not. But so this one is a really weird crime, and it's recent. I think it's the most recent one we've done this series. Oh wow, we don't usually do. Yeah. Crimes. Yeah. It's uh 2018. Okay. Was when this happened. So, um. So, like I said, the story kind of begins in this coffee shop called Racy Delane's in, is it Eau Claire? Wisconsin? Eau Claire, yeah. Not Eau Claire. Eau Claire. Eau Claire. Eau <laughs> Claire. <laughs> um, so, well, it actually begins 26 years ago in 1997. So we are going to start by giving you a little bit of background on Ezra McCandless. Okay. So um, Ezra McCandless was born on October 6, 1997 in Stanley, Wisconsin. Um, this is a female. Oh, good to know. Despite the name. Good to know. Yeah. So when she was born, her name was is actually... The band Better Than Ezra, is that about a female or a male? Cause it's about a... Well, it's about a... You know Like you a know puppet. This. Oh, a puppet. Okay, yeah. never mind. But okay. the puppet's a male. A male puppet. <laughs> okay. It's about a male puppet. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Um, my mom actually knows the whole story about how yeah, they get that, show. Okay. Yeah, she'll have to tell I, you. I thought that I knew someone who yeah. knows like all yeah, she the... she knows in, all well, this, about that's, that's, This is very apropos that we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right so on. when she was born, her name was actually... Okay, and this is weird. So in most of like everything I read... It said her name was Monica K, K-A-Y. Okay. But then when I was watching the trial and they asked her what her name was, she said Monica J. Hmm. And I watched it like several times and she definitely said J. So I don't hmm. know if she was just like nervous and said it wrong or if, yeah. So that's kind of weird. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, but that was her, that was the name that was given to her at birth. Yeah. So, and she changed it later, and we'll get to that. But her mother was, her name is uh, Rosalina Gunnelson, and she was 14 years old when Ezra was born. Oh, wow. 14. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, That's is insane. there more to that story? Um, not really. So, uh, first of all, like, I don't know who her father was. He basically was never in the picture. Got it. So, I don't know if he was another teen boy or who he was i don't know um but her mother's parents were very mentally and verbally physically abusive they were just not good people um mother's parents yes okay um so she and she lived with her parents and ezra obviously because she was 14 when she had her yeah until she was about 17 okay and then she moved out and she ended up marrying a man named Joe Shane Carlin. Okay. Um, and then he ended up adopting Ezra at age four. 
Okay. So she moves out, marries this guy. He adopts her daughter. Okay. So Rosalina and her husband, Joe Shane, these names are so yeah. difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, they had a terrible marriage. They were always fighting. They were. It was just constant chaos. And eventually they divorced when Ezra was 12. Okay. However, she re- maintained a close relationship with her father. He had adopted her, so you know he sure. was her father. Um, as a child, Ezra was very artistic, and she was described as being very kind, very social, just kind of like always trying to like see the best and you know make the most out of every situation. Um, when she was in high school, she started to struggle with her identity and eventually decided to start living as a boy. Okay. So she went through this phase, um, and that's something that would change a few more times, and then she would eventually describe herself as fluid, which I guess is like switching back and forth. Right. Um, But eventually she changed her name to Ezra McCandless because the name Ezra seemed to be a gender-neutral name. (laughs) I can think of more (laughs) gender-neutral It's actually a male name. Yeah. and she felt very gender neutral at the time. And the last name McCandless after Christopher McCandless, the author of Into the Wild. Did you okay. ever read that book? I never did. Okay. I think it's about this kid who was like really rich and then he like hated his parents. So he decides to live in the wilderness. Okay. Does that sound right? I, I, yeah, it sounds right. Okay. For the title. Right. I don't know anything else. But. Okay. Um, so she decided to change her last name to McCandless because she liked this guy's philosophies on life. Okay. But I think he died from like eating poison berries. It's <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she's going through all these, you know, phases and everything. She ends up, you know, changing her identity. So once she graduates from high school, she enrolls in an art college, but she quickly drops out. Okay. So she's just, you know, kind of a free spirit, not really sure what she wants to do. Um, And after leaving college, Ezra ends up moving to Eau Claire from Stanley. Okay. Um, And that's kind of where the story begins. So didn't we stay at an Airbnb in Eau Claire or was that somewhere else? I think Eau Claire, yeah. Uh, Was that for... I think that was for my cousin, Your cousin Molly's, Jay- Molly's wedding. wedding. Yeah, was that one with Fetty the cat? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we stayed stayed in the, like a, a fin, Finnish lady's house or something. Yeah, and she had a cat named Fetty. Fetty, and he had no toys. He had no toys. <laughs> it was like a very like a uh, minim- minimalistic yes. place. It was. Yeah. It was. And at Which the time, cool, we didn't but... have kids, but we had these two cats, and the yeah, cat had, our cats had lots of, had toys, lots of toys. And Alexi felt bad for Fetty because he had no toys. <laughs> our cats had a Halloween. Ha- like a haunted house they yeah. played in and all that house is that airbnb was where i learned about um oh what do you call the the brazilian wood that you burn as incense so uh something palo palo santo oh yeah did you learn about that i she had she was burning it in the morning when oh, okay. we were having coffee and and uh yeah oh interesting she, she told me that that was she like they, they they make these little sticks that have this essence to this specific um, smell to them when you you light them and then you let them smolder out and then they just keep smoldering for a while oh, and, it, and it creates okay. like a really nice kind of herbal smell in the room. Huh. Uh, she had kind of wedged one in a piece of clay or something oh. and that's how she kept she held it. Oh, cool. Interesting. That, yeah, you know, you learn cool things yeah. when you're at Airbnbs like that yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily find at a 
at a hotel or whatever. That's true. All right. So, okay. So back in Eau Claire. Sorry for my (laughs) long. long. Yeah. (laughs) No, I kind of went off on that uh, tangent. That was my fault. Do you want more coffee? Um, I'm okay right now, but thank you. But that coffee is very, very good. It is. Um, so one night after leaving a concert, she was hanging out at Racy Delane's coffee shop. And Do you know which concert? I don't. Hmm. Yeah, okay. I didn't. I, I'm sure I knew at one point. I just didn't put it in my notes. Yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> um, so she saw a man um, at the like outside the coffee shop, and he looked kind of annoyed. So she started talking to him and asking him like why he was upset. I usually so. don't start <laughs> conversations with those kind of people. You look irritated. All right. See ya. Right. Um, so this man was 33-year-old Jason Mangle. Um, the two you talked and they exchanged information that night and then they quickly began a relationship. So Ezra is about 20 years old at okay. this time. This okay. guy's 33, which, you know, whatever. Okay. So, you know, okay. Pretty yeah. big age difference, but... And is Ezra... Uh, a woman at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. At this point, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so this relationship ends up turning serious pretty fast, and they end up moving in together in the summer of 2017. Okay. So um, Jason Mangle is a medic for the National Guard, so he's got a pretty decent job. Hmm. Um, but shortly after moving in with Jason, Ezra meets a 24-year-old man named Alex Woolworth. So... Alex Woolworth, they actually meet at this bar called The Joint. Her and Jason are out one night at this bar, and she sees Alex sitting by himself writing. So she goes up to him and starts talking to him. Yeah. And just like asking him, like, hey, what are you writing about? You know. So he tells her that he's writing about cannibalism. Okay. And she's like, oh, cool, you know. And (laughs) so they they start talking about that. If someone told me they were writing about cannibalism, I think I would... You have a nice night. I'll see you later. <laughs> but um, yeah. So they just were talking about like mostly like philosophy stuff, and I don't know, kind of yeah. like weird things, I guess. Um, the conversation was cut short by Jason. He came oh, over okay. and was like, "Hey, you know, right, time to go or whatever." <laughs> um, but the two remained in contact, and eventually, all three of them became friends. Okay. And Alex was actually a uh, barista at Racy Delane's. Okay. So he worked there and he was also a substitute teacher and he was an aspiring philosophy professor. Was so he in school for philosophy? He had gone to school. I'm not sure if he was like going to go back to get his master's degree or something, but at this point he was just working at okay. um, the coffee shop. And, and subbing. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. So all three of them are friends. However, unbeknownst to Jason, Ezra was becoming more than friends with Alex. Uh-oh. So she's actually secretly dating Alex behind his back. Okay. And not only was she dating Alex, she was also secretly dating Jason's best friend, John Hansen. Wow. Yeah, nice how do you, friend. How does she even have the time? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I guess, I don't know if she was working at this time. Maybe she didn't have a job. Hmm. She was living with Jason, so he was probably just kind of taking care of her. So she was just... It would know. just be so hard to, you know, you've, you hear these stories about the people who do this, and it would just be really stressful. Yeah. And you would have to always have an alibi, always have your story straight, always have a reason why, you know, you weren't this in no. such and such a place. That would be really, really hard. Yeah. 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 Which is why I don't do that. <laughs> it's the one only of, reason. One of many reasons. 
So, yeah, so she's like secretly dating these two guys behind Jason's back. So, um, wow. So she's dating three guys yeah, total. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, in February of 2018, um, Jason discovers Ezra's secret affairs by going through her phone and he finds a bunch of scandalous text messages between her and Jay or her and John and her and Alex. Man. Imagine like finding not one but two. Oh my gosh. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> wow. So he when he asks her about it, she tells him that basically John forced her to drink a bunch of alcohol oh, and then yeah. a- assaulted her. Right. And so Jason is very upset by yeah. this. Like yeah. this is his friend who he believes like assaulted his girlfriend. So he immediately goes to the police to report his oh, friend. Wow. So she's like, no. <laughs> so she tells the police, you know, the story about how oh, he she stuck like, with it, huh? assaulted her and everything. However, Alex ends up coming to John's defense, telling the police that Ezra told him that she was hooking up with John, but it was consensual. But because she regretted it, she made up this story oh, that he assaulted wow. her. What a mess. Yeah, it's a big mess. Yeah. Terrible thing to do. So everyone just like apologized to each other and everything well, was Well, basically the investigation was dropped. No, I'm just kidding. Because she made it up. Yeah. But, you know, there was some bad blood. Oh, yeah. Between people after this. Yeah. Four directions of bad blood. Yeah. So at this point, because now she's mad at what's his name, for, Alex, at Alex, yes, for for, on her, yeah, exactly, yeah. So their relationship is, you know, yep. pretty much done at this point, mm. and her and Jason's relationship is done at this point too, because right. once he realizes that a she's been cheating on him with all these guys and she's making up these stories, and you know this guy's in his thirties, he has his crap together, he doesn't need to be dealing with this. Little psychopath. Right. <laughs> so he ends up breaking up with her. So Ezra moves back to Stanley, Wisconsin, to live with her mother. Um, so on March 21st, so about a month later after all this goes down, um, 2018, Ezra contacts Jason and tells him that she felt like she was taken advantage of by Alex and John. She feels like they like used her manipulated her or something Mm -hmm. and she said that she wanted to get together with alex to basically confront him and get some kind of a like closure with this situation so jason tells her not to do that he says that's a bad idea he's like if you need to talk to him you should just send him an email yeah don't get together with him right so on march 22nd the next day jason is chilling inside racy's having a cup of probably Probably this exact coffee. Yeah. So he's just kind of hanging out in there. And Ezra comes in the coffee shop and she looks just crazy, disheveled, just not right. So Jason talks to her briefly and she says that she's going to go see Alex because she wants to show him some of her art and talk to him. And he's kind of like, he sort of has a bad vibe about this Uh like he feels like something weird is gonna happen so she gets a coffee she leaves um so jason gets on his bike and he drive or he rides to alex's apartment building okay so he's in the parking lot and he's kind of riding his bike around he finds ezra's car and ezra's car was like this white sedan but it had like all these crazy drawings that she drew all over it and this was just like a normal thing like she had done this it wasn't like she did this the day of right 
this was something, but yeah, it looked pretty terrible. <laughs> um, so it was easy to spot. Yeah. So he finds her car there. Um, eventually he goes into Alex's apartment or, you know, goes to the door to check on them. And they open the door and say, you know, everything's fine. We're just talking. But he said there was like some really crazy tension. Like he could just feel it, that mm-hmm. something was going on. So he comes out of the apartment and the police are there because a neighbor called the police on him because he's riding oh. around the apartment <laughs> and looking like a creep. Yeah. So the police ends the police end up ask you know, talking to Ezra and Alex, asking them, you know, everything good because Jason told the police that he was there to check up on them. They say, yeah, everything's fine. We're just talking. In fact, we're going to go for a ride um, in Ezra's car. We're going to go drive somewhere in nature to talk more. Okay. So the police are like, okay, you know, whatever. You guys are, you're fine. So they leave. So this is about one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So around 5 p.m., a dairy farmer named Don Sippel hears a knock on his door. So he opens his door and he discovers a young woman, Ezra, covered in mud and blood and crying and asking him to take her to the hospital. So he decides not to drive her to the hospital because it's just a weird situation. So he ends up calling 911. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he's on the phone with 911, they're asking him a bunch of questions about her, like, what's her name? So he asks her and she says she doesn't know. And he asks her how old she is. She says that she is 19, but she's actually 21. And then he also asks if she knew who did this. And he, she says she doesn't know. Who did what? Who attacked her. So where were her wounds? Well, she's got like blood all over her. At this okay. point, they don't, they know. don't know. She's okay. just got like blood on her, mud, everything else. I okay. think she might have told him she was attacked okay. too. Okay. Yeah. So... Ambulance comes, they take her to the hospital, and right away she asks for Jason Mangle. Like, I want to talk to Jason. So they're at the hospital, you know, they're treating her, you know, wounds and everything. Um, But the doctors in the ER immediately seem suspicious because they're looking at her and it looks like all of her, like, cuts and everything are self-inflicted. Oh. And not only that, but she has the word boy carved into her arm at an angle where, like, she would have had to carve it. Right. Which is pretty easy to tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very hard for another person to forcefully uh, do that at at that angle. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the police come to the hospital. They question her, and she just basically tells them she can't remember what happened. That somebody attacked her, but she doesn't know, and, like, all this stuff. So the next day, on March 23rd, 2018, um, the police find Ezra's car... um, near Don Sipple's farm and they find Alex's body laying halfway outside of the car. Mm. So they examine him. He has 16 stab wounds in his head, neck, and stomach, but they find that he has no defensive wounds. So likely he was stabbed, like ambushed from behind. Wow. They also find Alex's phone and a knife in a ditch near Don Sipple's home. So they bring in, or I'm not, I think Ezra might have still been in the hospital at this point, or they bring her in, I can't remember, but they end up questioning her again. And so eventually she tells them she's starting to remember 
some more details about the story. So she tells him, them that they decide to drive around. They end up getting stuck in the mud near the dairy farm. And so Alex tells her at this point to get in the back seat just to like relax because she's like stressed out about getting stuck in the mud. Okay. This is Ezra's story. Right. So she said Alex kind of forces her into the back seat and he blindfolds her and then he starts cutting her clothes with a knife and then carves the word boy into her arm. Starts like stabbing her leg and they the two get into a struggle. And they're fighting over the knife. She ends up kneeing him in the groin and then grabs the knife and starts stabbing him in self-defense. While blindfolded? I don't... I mean, he, he blindfolded her with a scarf, so I'm okay. sure that it's something that would have fallen off. Yeah. I, also, Especially I don't... her hands weren't tied. Right, right. So. right. Also, I think this whole story is made up anyway. Really? <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so she said she wasn't trying to kill him. She was just trying to get away. Hmm. Um, so eventually she gets out of the car and... He gets out of the car as well, and he tells her that he needs help going to the bathroom. So she goes over to help him. Again, this is her story. Yeah. And she said when she goes over to him, he starts grabbing her. So then she's stabbing him again. And then he starts saying weird stuff and saying, I've been waiting for this for so long. And then she just takes his phone and flees and runs away from the scene and leaves him there. Yeah, so just a weird, weird set of events. So after hearing the story, the police realized pretty quickly that the story is just complete BS. Yeah. And one of the main reasons was because most of the blood was outside of the car. Right. Whereas she said that she was stabbing him a lot in the car. But that would not be possible based Mm -hmm. on where the blood was found. Yeah. So likely she... They got got out of the car and then he was, you know, probably had his back to her and then she basically yeah. stabbed him and then just kept stabbing him. Which so, is very unusual for a female to, yeah, to stab someone. It is. Like that. It is. Usually we see, you know. But I mean, obviously not unheard of, but right. is there? Well, this kind of reminds me a little bit of like Jody Arias. Okay. And I know we talked about the Jody Arias case. I don't know if it was last season or a couple of seasons yeah. ago. But yeah, I mean, she stabbed Travis Alexander. Like, I want to say it was like 30 yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what it is that like causes, I don't know. It, causes that anomaly. Her and Jody Arias have a lot of similarities. Okay. I was, Yeah. Like what? Um, they're both kind of like well, they're both tra- very traumatic youth. Yeah, um, both very artistic. Not saying that people who are artistic are. I resemble that. <laughs> kind of. But yeah, both kind of like describe themselves as like free spirits. Yeah. Um, both had like obsessive relationships with men. Mm, so mm. I don't know. I think there's a lot of similarities. You're there. saying I'm a psycho crazy killer. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, so the police investigate this. They realize that she's basically making up this whole story. And eventually she actually admitted to carving boy into her own arm. Yeah. But she said she like didn't remember doing it or why she did it. Sure. So 
I think she realized that it didn't look like somebody else did it. So she was just trying to make something up. Right. Um, so on April 6th, she is arrested for the murder of Alex Woolworth. She didn't try to flee? No. Okay. No. Um, because I think she thought like, well, this is going to look like self-defense. Right. You know. So this is like a really messed up part about this. So was this uh, at this point? Is it like national news? Is it being? You know, it's funny because this happened pretty recently. Or just this happened so often now that it doesn't. <laughs> well, even it's make such a weird news. case, but it happened so recently, and it it like it, like I never heard about it when it oh, happened. That's interesting. But so I it think- wasn't. Like I mean, it probably news. was, but yeah. I, I just, I don't watch the news very much. Right. The news is totally different from how it used to be. Yeah. yeah. I avoid it yeah. most of the time. So I think that's why I just, I didn't, but I mean, like you never heard about it. No. Yeah. But you're right. It's not like back when people read the paper every day, there was more, well, there was just more, um, it, strangely, it seems like there was actually more access to a variety of information. When you when you would read the newspaper because you could go to this section or that section you could there was the headline story that everyone kind of copied each other about yeah but you could also see different things whereas nowadays it seems like everything just gets so funneled into one single clickbait right. item right per month mm-hmm. where it's and when you think about what that does to uh, social consciousness. It's, it means we all just know basically one thing at a time. Right. And you can't know, you know, if if, if this crazy story happens during that time, it's not going to make it because war in Ukraine or whatever it is, yeah. just like there's other there's other things going on. But uh, yeah, that's, it's, I, I, just as you were saying that just now, I kind of thought how weird it is that, that a proliferation of technology and information would actually in some ways, because of the way it's handled, make people less aware of, a variety of things right yeah. anyway. no it's true yeah 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 um because you would think an unusual case like that would make the news yeah i mean it, more. and i think it did i don't sure like, it, it definitely did I, but yeah, it didn't just, get to the that it didn't reach that credit like escape velocity of like right. a really big story yeah because i i mean i never saw and i think at this point i was even still on facebook and stuff and i never even saw anything yeah about it like on there or, huh yeah so i don't know i'm sure there were true crime podcasts covering oh, it I'm like sure. crazy when it yeah, happened absolutely, yeah. probably in real time yeah <laughs> yeah like <laughs> I, covering, I know a lot of them do well because i watched um i think you can watch the entire trial on mm. youtube and i watched like Much i was trying to watch more of it but um yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would like to go back and watch more, but yeah, it's on there if, if you're interested. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so what I was going to say is the, so the motive that she had um, behind killing Alex was like really messed up. So they, and she never admitted this or anything, but basically everything pointed to the fact that she killed Alex basically to get Jason back. Not because he told on her about... Well, there was probably some, you know, anger. Yeah. But the thing is, like, Jason was very protective of her. And she also wanted to prove to Jason that Alex was kind of like a predator. Or that he was, like, taking advantage of her. Right. So So then she's in this situation and she has to, like, kill him to save herself. And then as soon as she's taken to the hospital... Two goals, getting rid of him, exactly. plus, plus her justification yes. before him. Yeah. yeah. And then she asked for Jason as soon as she gets to the hospital, right. thinking he's just going to rush in there yeah. and be like, oh, no, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'll, I'll take you back. Yeah, yeah. Really sick. Sick motive. 
What did he do and or say when he found out that that's what she was trying to do? Well, he was very just dis- staying as far away as he could. Yeah. Well, he ended up testifying at her yeah. trial. Yeah. Um, which and it's pretty interesting because the day that he testifies, so it's kind of so she she either looks like really cute or she looks really crazy, hmm. like kind of depending on like. Does crazy necessarily mean not cute? Uh, I mean, not necessarily, but... Oh, just kind of, like, bedraggled and, yeah. and, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hair. but crazy, crazy hair. Yeah, exactly. But the day that he testifies, she wore a sweater that she that he had given her. Mm. Um, she had makeup on. Her hair was, like, always kind of crazy, but she had it, like, kind of cute. Yeah. Um, and then he, he walked into the courtroom, and she was all, like, you know, <laughs> oh, smiling, kind of, like, twirling her hair oh, and wow. stuff and, like, adjusting her glasses and so it was televised yeah i don't know if it was televised or if it was just or it was video recorded yeah yeah okay yeah hmm. but yeah it's very interesting because there's a big difference between the way she looks on like certain yeah. days of the trial and the day that he's gonna yeah testify what whose decision is it whether to tell to, to allow a video recording or not in a, in you a know trial? that's a good question i really so don't that's know something the lawyers and the judge yeah I, I, that's probably part of it i don't know if it's Varies by state, maybe too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I'll have to research that for All next right. time. Could you? Could I you? will. <laughs> I'll get right on that. <laughs> um, so the anyway, the trial started on October 15th of 2019, um, which was about a year and a half after the murder took place. And it lasted until the beginning of November. On November 1st, um, the jury found Ezra guilty of first degree murder. Um, she ended up being sentenced on February 7th of 2020 and received life in prison with the uh, possibility of parole after 50 years. And she's currently being held at Teichita Correctional Institution. Teichita? Teichita. How do you spell that? T-A-Y-C-H-E-E-D-A-H. Wow. I wonder what that, that means. Yeah, I'm sure it's like a Native American word, maybe. Oh, well, maybe. I don't, maybe not. And that's what it sounds <laughs> like. <laughs> Making stuff up over here. Um, in Fond du Lac. Is it, did I say Fond du Lac, right? yeah. Fond du Lac. Wisconsin cities are so hard to say. Yeah. Um, which Fond du Lac, that's probably French, right? It sounds French, yeah. Okay, see. I know some stuff. Good job. <laughs> So yeah, that's where she is. And during the trial, um, she was very emotionless. Yeah. When Alex's family were giving like impact statements, like right. just no emotion, yeah. nothing. The only time she ever like cried or did anything was when her, people were saying stuff about her. Her sure. family sure. were, you know, giving statements at her sentencing yeah. and stuff like that. Textbook so sociopath. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a sociopath to murder somebody yeah i don't understand why alex left his back turned to her like that i don't think he thought she was gonna do anything like that why would he not yeah Yeah. i mean she was a small girl yeah i mean he thought they were just hanging out he knew she was kind of mad at him but like yeah i'm sure small women have been mad at you before you're not like always afraid (laughs) yeah it just given that like yeah they they said before that there was tension in the room when the cops came right this other guy is like riding his bike around the cops come 
they drive somewhere. She's she's been away for a long time. She looks crazy. Her car, her car, that's not her normal. Her car just looked to, crazy to be covered with like I'm gonna draw, see, I'm gonna see if I can find a picture of it for I you. I would think that any guy would just at like, least yikes. be <laughs> on his guard a little bit as far as like not just turning your back to someone for that amount of time that would allow them to pull a knife out right. and just start wailing on your. Gosh. back and even then it's like if she was so small maybe he was small too but how did he not like turn around right away and start def- she didn't have any def- he didn't have any she didn't have no. any defense wounds on her but he had he had stab wounds like in his back and his head so, so i wonder if she just like went straight for the got neck. him yeah. in a way that just completely disabled him just right away yeah, that's crazy. yeah that was her crazy car Ooh, that looks like it looks, looks creepy out of a it looks like movie. something you would see in like a like a halloween yeah. haunted yeah. forest or absolutely. something absolutely wow yeah just just a white car with so you black. wouldn't you wouldn't get in that car with some not even cute crazy girl and go for a ride in the wilderness let me see that so what is the big is it a bird a black bird? yeah i think it's a bird what is the bird like saying? a um on like a, a it's a bird on a bicycle oh this is creepy so weird, and there's a skeleton with a cowboy hat smoking a cigarette with like a baby in its arms or something. It's blurry. Whew, that's creepy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't. I mean, I feel, like, very, I feel like she should have been arrested just for this. Yeah, the, the, the art alone. Yeah, very creepy. It's very sad, you know, for him to die that way. Well, yeah. Um, it seems so preventable. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just this girl is very unstable. Was he the one that worked at Racing Delane's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if they talk about this at the coffee shop. Yeah, I was wondering that too, if they still, I mean, so it's been five years since this happened. So yeah, not that long. So there's baristas or managers or someone that still remember Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So well, yeah, this story brought us to some amazing coffee. It did. I'm yeah. gonna be drinking this uh, in the in the future. I, it's funny the coffee with the Sterling Brazilian coffee that we tasted last episode. I still have a bunch of it, but once I started drinking this, I kind of started <laughs> just drinking this because it was really. I was kind of craving something that was a little more light roast. So. Right. Yeah. Um, you have so much good coffee. Yeah, I do. I. I think about it a lot. <laughs> How blessed I am to have this much access to this good. It's, but it's yeah. it's one of those things we talked about the ritual aspect of of coffee a right. while ago, and there are a lot of things. You know, I wear the same pair of shoes as long until they wear out. I wear yeah. the same clothes and pants until you know. I don't clo- clothes aren't really my thing. Like I I like wearing nice clothes, but it's uh, you know. But coffee is that yeah. thing where I like like really kind of pamper myself. Yeah, treat yourself. <laughs> Because it's, it's it's how you start your day. Yeah. It's, you know, it it is that thing that sort of, well, nowadays, you know, there's these people that are saying, d- different research saying, okay, it, coffee doesn't actually give you, it has caffeine, but it like, as far as all day energy, it's actually better to drink like just a bunch of water and exercise. Sure. No yeah. doubt. I'm sure that's true. I, I really just love the way good coffee tastes. Yeah. And that, I mean, there's something about having coffee when you get up in the morning. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's just... Absolutely. Yeah. If we're ever in, uh, sorry, my throat's dry. If we're ever in Eau Claire, we'll have to stop by Racy Delaney's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know there's a different cough cafe either in Eau Claire or close to it called the Root Note. 
Did we go there? We did one time. That's where I played with yeah, that, they had that the, red the, curtain behind. The crepes. The crepes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. really good crepes. I think they're in, they, no, they're in, maybe in La Crosse. I think okay. La Crosse is close oh, to Oh, you're right. Yeah. But um, Eau Claire, yeah, when we're, when yeah, we're close to that place next, is we'll so good. To, we'll have to stop by racing. Ooh, domains. crepes. Ooh, crepes. <laughs> Our little two, almost two year old likes to say, ooh. And then, like, Insert whatever he's food thinking item. about. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, pie. Ooh, pie. <laughs> <laughs> At Thanksgiving, he saw pie, and he's like, ooh, pie. <laughs> he had never even had pie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but but the little pie piece in his shape, the ball where he oh, puts yeah, his shapes in. True. Yeah, he was he was always used to seeing pie. <laughs> well, this has been an awesome five-part birthday series. Yeah. Um, we hope that um, everyone enjoys listening and Please, uh, you know, we, we're definitely not saying that this is going to be the end, but no. but we've definitely carved out time to do this. Yeah. And so we'd like to get back to it at some point when we have time. But sure. Um, but for now, uh, this is like a fun little return for us to give people a chance to listen to Coffee yes. with Crime again. And I hope this will this will keep my mom um you know, she'll have some more New- to listen to for <laughs> for a while. Ooh, podcast. <laughs> Ooh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, Alexi's mom. And uh, support these coffee you. roasters. Um, thanks for listening. We love you. <laughs> this and is, we'll take our coffee. Good time.